uh, when we when we started out the the service here. I wanted to. I've got a box of CDs back there. Uh, for those of you who've been coming here for a while, you remember Cal, uh, Gary and Cal that came and they and they sang and they. And anyway, they've they've cut another CD, um, and these are all songs written by the different band members, uh, their personal story, as in 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 words and song. And I, these are free. Uh, I would encourage you to listen to it and then say, "Man, who can I give one to?" And let us know. And just we've got a whole box full to pass out. So don't go without one today, or take two or three, and um, and I I can actually hear when I think about the churches in Minot. These are for you guys, and you can take more too. But when I think about the churches in Minot, and I think about the different worship leaders that I've heard as we've done as one together, and I listen to some of these songs, I can hear, I can hear our churches in Minot singing some of these songs. And I hope that and pray, we're praying for a, a one day that God will provide us someone that can lead live worship. And, uh, you know, a keyboard player, a guitar player. We have singers. Uh, we have some instruments. We have uh, violin players. We don't have that keyboard. We don't have that piano. We don't have that guitar the person that can play those can lead, and I believe that, I believe God has someone special for us that can help, and we can come around that and, and build a worship team here. What we do here with the with the with the CD with the what do you call that the YouTube or whatever you want to call it um, is you know we God wants us to be faithful with what we have, and I believe we've been faithful. Mike is very faithful every week. We can rely on him, puts that together. Our folks that sing, they will come and practice. They will, they listen to these songs before we sing them. Um, and I believe God will bless Calvary Alliance with live worship. And hopefully we can look back a year from now and go, what an awesome God. How faithful has he been? And um, so anyway, I just wanted to mention that before. Uh, I did go on here uh, for those of you uh, that have, you know, just joining us today, and are those of you that have been in the church. We we've been going through the Book of Acts, and the Book of Acts, of course, is seeing uh, Christ work through the disciples by the power of His Holy Spirit, the miraculous, the healings, the life changes, but also the persecutions that take place when you're a Christian. All this is laid out in the book of Acts, and we've been going through that. We're only just starting it. But as I looked at the passage today in chapter 4, again, we're in Acts chapter 4, I was just wanted to make the statement that, and even the question, ask the question and answer that for us today. What makes us so unique? When we say we're, we've accepted Christ, when we say we've We've come to know him personally, and we as a church, when we stand up as one, a body of Christ, as we're called, what makes us so unique? Maybe I should ask the question, what should make us so unique? Uh, So as we look at this passage, I'm sure it'll just uh, jump out at you, but 
I've just noted uh, seven things, believe it or not. In the sermon, you're supposed to have three points. I will, I will, not, I will not be here two and a half times a sermon. Um, but let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask that you would speak to each of us, that we would go out of here saying, man, I, I, I want to be that kind of a person. I want us to be that kind of a church that has these qualities has these things about us that makes us unique and, uh, Father, that would stand out in the world around us. And so, Father, I just pray that you, through your Holy Spirit, would teach us and encourage us and, and show us, Lord, the things that make us unique. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, in order to understand this, I'm going to read the verses that we looked at in the last message. In Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 23, this is after uh, they've, been, they've had this crippled man healed miraculously. Uh, they've been addressed by the citizens of Jerusalem, and they've, then they've been addressed by the, the so-called religious leaders that just couldn't stand this movement of Christians going on. And, uh, and finally, when they were released from this, uh, being jailed overnight and questioned, they get with their friends. It'd be like us coming to church if we'd been jailed for our faith overnight. We'd, we'd get out and we'd come in and we'd go, wow, let's talk about that. So here where they say, when, uh, verse 23, when they were released, they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. Those were the religious leaders. And when they heard it, when these people heard this, when their friends heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Oh, man, sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of a father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? They're just acknowledging from Scripture what Scripture had been written hundreds of years before, predicted this would happen. There's going to be this rage against this Christian message. And the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Against the Lord and against his anointed. Now, uh, when we come to Christ, we can be referred to as his anointed. Now, Christ was the anointed one. But we're also, when we come to him and we're filled with the Spirit, we are then his anointed. And when, when we are uniquely different, there's going to be these challenges that we'll face. But then he goes on and says, For truly in this city that were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. So who were they that were gathered against him before he was crucified? Well, there was Herod, there was Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. I mean, they all came against him. But they were to do whatever your hand, God's hand, and your plan had predestined to take place. What was predestined to take place? That Christ would suffer, that he would be persecuted, that he would be condemned to death on a cross, that he would die, that he would be three days in the tomb, and that he would raise from the dead to live forever. It happened. It was predicted. It happened. And the so-called if you read your Bible, the so-called Sadducees, they did not believe in the resurrection, and they hated the teaching of it. Remember last, last uh, two weeks ago when we talked about how what Jesus primarily 
His resistance was primarily the Pharisees because they were, they were jealous of him. They hated him. They were the Jewish leaders. But the ones that, if you, as you read through the book of Acts, the primary antagonists toward the Christian faith are the Sadducees because they didn't believe in the resurrection and they didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in angels. And they hated it. And they come against the Christians. So when, when we are seen as uniquely different, then the world that doesn't know Christ comes against that. And this is what was happening to them. And now they're, they're saying, these are the things, we're reporting all these things that happened. It's true, it was predicted, now it happened, and here we are. And it says, verse 29, And now, Lord, look upon their threats, Look upon those threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Those threats are going to come. I mean, who? you don't have to go too far even today in our modern technology to find threats. And uh, you hear the term that the quiet majority are out there. The quiet majority that are standing up in boldness now. Now he wants us to speak with boldness. These were asking that they would be able to speak the word, this unique message, with all boldness. And while that's happening, that God, he says, verse 30, that while you, God, stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus, Give us the boldness to stand up and proclaim the message. You heard Tim this morning. He's already said this is not a popular message. You have to make it clear. When the young gals come in and they want to ask about this baby that they've got inside them, and they want to, Dakota Hope is giving them hope that this is a life and to keep it. And, and they, you have to be bold to even say that message. The message is against it. It's inconvenient. Get rid of it. And, and I, well, no, what makes us uniquely different is that our message is different, is that we're going to proclaim life because Christ, as it's already been said, when he died and rose again, he showed us what death was like, but he showed us what life is like. And life is precious. And he says here, stretch out your hand. See signs and wonders performed in the name of the Holy Servant Jesus. And then, oh man, wouldn't you love to have this happen in here? Anywhere across mine, across any church. And or a home group. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. <laughs> How'd you like that to happen? We're out singing some song, whether it's on video, whether we got live worship. We're asking for God for boldness. We're, and, and all of a sudden, man, it starts a shaking. Do you remember just a few weeks ago we had that we had that earthquake that went through the, the, the northwest? Remember that? I heard about it. I I I texted my daughter Catherine in Kalispell, Montana. The earthquake was down in Idaho, southern Idaho. And when she got my text, my granddaughter, Bailey, was saying, Mom, what's happening? And she was so busy with supper, she didn't notice. The lampshades were shaking. 
and, and, and the, the window uh, things were, were moving. The house was shaking up in northwest Montana from an earthquake down in southern Idaho. And there's a, you think, is that real? Is that really happening? You ever experienced that? Oh, man, can we experience it, though, where God would just move in a place and shake the ground? I think we'd all be going, is that real? Uh, I don't know. I think we'd be looking around. Can you imagine it? What the feeling must have been like when they had that happen? And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What makes us uniquely different, so uniquely different, is when you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Spirit of God that comes in you. Now, he wants us to have so much more of him, so overflowing with him, that makes us so different. And just to model this, and when we have this Holy Spirit filling us, this is going to happen to you. And they continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, <laughs> now we're going to get to the verses I was going to look at this morning. But we need to see this in order to get here. Because he says, now the full number of those who believed, the full number, at this time, there was like 5,000 believers. And the message has just been spoken. We don't know, maybe for a few weeks or maybe a month. Now, we've been speaking in... We've been speaking here, my, not, not just me, but others. Some pastors have been here over 30 years. We don't have 5,000 people in a few weeks coming to Jesus. No wonder these folks were excited. But they were all of one heart and soul. They were of one heart and soul. Listen, the first point that I wrote down this morning, that what makes us uniquely different, is being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. God comes, he changes us. He begins to give us a new spirit. But now, what also makes us uniquely different is that they were of one heart and soul, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. Now I'm going to stop right there. So this unique difference, having the Holy Spirit, is the first thing that we've got to recognize in them. Now when it says they were of one heart and soul, that ought to make us, that's what Christ in you makes you uniquely different in the world is that we as a church body, once we say we accept Christ, that means we have the same heart and the same soul. That word soul, your translation may say mind. In the Greek, it's psyche, your psyche. It's one. It's one. Uh, hundreds of years ago, the philosophers used to ask the question, what is a friend? And their answer was, it's one soul in two bodies. That's what makes a really good friend. It's one soul in two bodies. In other words, you get with someone, they become your friend so close, it's like you're uniquely the same. Well, as Christians, when we're of 
one, mind, one heart and one soul, then it's like having one body. The Bible tells us that the church is a body, a body of believers made up of many parts, uniquely different in the parts, but uniquely one as a whole. This same commentator that I read that referred to these old philosophers said that in this particular Christian environment, one could possibly say there was one soul in 5,000 bodies. Think about it. 5,000 believers have come to Christ, and they're uniquely, what makes them uniquely different is that now they, they have this oneness about them, and it's one in their heart and one in their soul. That's what makes it uniquely different. Ezekiel puts it like this in the Old Testament. He says this in Ezekiel eleven nineteen. I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them. And I'm going to take the stony heart out of their flesh, and I'm going to give them a heart of flesh. That Now, why? For what reason? In Ezekiel, he says this. He says that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. That's what makes them uniquely different. One heart. In the, further on in Ezekiel, chapter 36, which many of you, I know you've studied this, but he says, I will put my spirit, capital S, my spirit, my Holy Spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes, and, will, and you will keep my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Why? Because he is moving you to do them. See, what makes you uniquely different as a Christian is you have his spirit. You're in-breathing Christ, and if you're in-breathing him, you have to exhale him. And a good test of where you are in your faith is, what am I exhaling? Because whatever I am exhaling is in me. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, man, help me speak with a Christ-filled heart, not with a Nigel-filled heart, which we battle with until God takes us home. So the one heart, he's going to put this new spirit, this one heart in us. And one soul, one psyche, having the same mind. So, when you have one heart and one soul, it also means, you know what it means? It makes you uniquely different as a whole, is that you're in sync. You're in sync with one another. You're in sync with him. How can you not be if you have his spirit? And, 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 and he's put a new heart in you. It means that you're in tune with one another. One commentator said this, he, sa he says, they were all going the same way. They, they were breathing spiritually together. Now, I know, I think Tim will appreciate this. You know, he comes in, he goes, every church he goes to, he's presenting this, this idea of funding Dakota Hope. 
And when he is speaking of that ministry and he's breathing out the hope that that clinic offers, when we're receiving those words and that breath, it ought to just uniquely join us as one, the one soul. And when we hear it, we're going, yes, I want to be part of that. Because it's a God thing, because it's about life. They were in sync. They were animated by one spirit. They breathed spiritually together. When we're presenting anything in the church, anything in the Christian community, if it's not of him, it just doesn't seem to fit. It's out of tune. It's out of sync. It's hard to breathe. But when it's one, you can breathe it in. One soul, one soul. One heart, uniquely different. A third thing I noted here was that they had everything in common. They didn't consider what they had their own. They were willing to share with others what they had. Now that makes it kind of tough sometimes. We're so self-possessive, so much our stuff, it's my stuff. You can't have my stuff, you take your stuff here, you take your stuff there. It's my stuff, it's my investments, it's my money. My account, don't even ask me for it. If I see a need, I'll just turn my back on it, possibly. But if we're breathing the same way together, forward, then when there's a need within our midst, we're going to take care of it. Now, one thing you need to understand in this is that, and and, uh, this is just from from stuff I read. You know, when you see this in the Bible where it says, that they had everything in common. And it goes on into chapter 5 about how they sold their property and they shared the proceeds and they took care of everybody. That's where you get this communal living from, where everybody throws all their stuff in a basket and then they go in and they all all evenly spread, you know, uh, divided. And you, you have all the same size homes. The same, everything's, the, everything's split up equally. Um, and, and so that's where this has come from, from this particular idea. This isn't necessarily what went on throughout the book of Acts. It isn't necessarily what went on in Christendom. What did go on, and Jesus addressed it, is to be mindful of those that are poor amongst you. They'll always have the poor among you, the Bible says. But to take care of those that are your family, take care of those that are in the church. But it does, it, what it means is that it is the scripture. You cannot take this as a, as, a, as a sort of a command that we now be a communal living we have to look at the fact that, uh, like the Bible says, if a man don't wor- won't work, then he won't eat. There has to be some sort of balance in it all. So, so I don't want you to go home thinking, oh, Pastor Nigel's talking about us now being a, c- a communal living, and we all just throw our stuff in one basket and share it equally among us. No, I'm not saying that. What was unique about this situation was there was 5,000 believers that had just come to Christ and they were all in the city together. And whenever they gathered for these events in Jerusalem, they all was communally, communal, there was communal sharing. Their homes were shared, there was no charge to it. Food was all put on the all put in baskets and all shared equally, making sure everybody was cared for by food. They had a place to sleep. Now all of a sudden, in this case, just in this case, there's like five thousand people. And so how are we going to care for that? Well, we'll make sure everybody's taken care of. Maybe I have to sell this. 
in order to provide for that. That's what this comes from. Please, I'll stop there. We'll get more into that next week when we look at um, supporting one another in financial ways and other ways. So, uniquely different. They had everything in common. They didn't necessarily consider everything I have is God's. I need wisdom from him as to how I disperse that. The fourth thing, very quickly here, we'll move on through here, was that they all spoke of the testimony, their testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what their message was. Listen, Jesus rose from the dead, and because he rose from the dead and I put my trust in him, I have new life. That's the Christian message. Christ died for me. He died for all, but he's asking us to believe in him And when you believe in him and you confess him with your mouth, you get his Holy Spirit. You get new life. And that's the message that people need to hear. The Bible tells us, Paul made it clear, it's foolishness to folks in the world that are not living the Christian life, but to those of us that have accepted it, it is the power of God. And so when when we come to church, if you tire of listening about the resurrection of God, I will challenge you whether or not you even know him. Because if you know him, you will never tire of the fact that Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for you, and he's asking you to give your life to him. You'll never tire of it. We, we should be speaking of it every week. Jesus needs to be the hero of every particular message that is shared in the church. Home group, small group, Sunday morning service, Sharing on the street, it's about him and the fact that he rose from the dead. There's nothing more powerful than the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's what made them uniquely different. It was a new message, and the Sadducees hated it. We'll find out where they beat them, jailed them. But what did they do? Angels released them, and they rejoiced because they got to suffer for this great message. Now that makes you uniquely different. Fifthly, when they spoke, they spoke with great power. They went, as we might say in England, mamby-pamby, like wobbly knees. Some of you are old enough to remember old Margaret Thatcher, the great British prime minister. She said, don't go wobbly on me to Ronald Reagan. Don't go wobbly on me. They spoke with power, great power. Not just, they said great power. Why? Because Jesus had said, don't you leave Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit because you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's a uniquely different message for the Christian. That's when the church began, when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. They spoke with great power. Power. Man, did they ever. When they listened to Jesus speak, who was both 100% God and 100% man, how can you be that? Well, that was him uniquely. It said, they said about Jesus, they said, he is so different than all these other people speaking. He speaks as one who has authority. And earlier in, in the book of Acts, They said, what is it about these men? They're uneducated. They're fishermen. And yet they speak 
with such, such power, such authority, because they'd known Jesus. They had been with Jesus. It says they recognized they had been with Jesus. Listen, what makes you uniquely different is when you spend time with Jesus, you will speak with a boldness you've never had. You can't spend time in this word of God, meditating on it, praying over it, having it absorbed in your spirit. When you understand it through the Holy Spirit, you can't help but stand up and speak with greater power than you ever did before you took that time to absorb him, to breathe in him so that you can be animated by the one spirit and breathe spiritually together the same message. Sixth, great grace was upon them all. I don't know about you, but when I experience God's grace, God's amazing grace in my life, when I look back at the, oh gosh, I don't even want to unzip myself and show the darkness that... That, I, that, that, is, you know, that is in every one of us, the Bible tells us. But, oh, man, his grace, it superabounds all our sin. And when they spoke with great power, they had great grace. Great grace was on them all. Why? Because they had the same message. It was about Jesus and the cross. And seventhly, there was not a needy person among them. Now, you can look at that however you want. You can say there wasn't a needy person financially. There wasn't a needy person for, for, for food on the table. There was not a needy person among them spiritually because the whole place was shaken. The whole, the, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They had a different kind of spirit than the spirit of the world. The old commentator Adam Clark, British guy, he said, there was no kind of difference or dissension among these people. That should make us uniquely different. There, if, if we have the, how can you have any dissension or difference if you have the same spirit? The only time you have a, a dissension is when you're going at things with your spirit and someone's coming at it with their spirit, and you've got this conflict. What causes quarrels and conflicts among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? And you say, yes, Lord, they do. Well, then breathe in my spirit, because mine's the same. It's one. It teaches you how to love. It doesn't, just, it, it doesn't tell you this is what you're supposed to do. I will pour it into you, and you will just automatically love. Just lean into me. Great power. Great grace, not a needy person. They were one soul. It's one soul in two bodies in a friendship sense. And if we are, as a church, if we are living this ourselves, then he's saying to us that there is one soul, one Christ, one spirit that fills all us and makes us uniquely different, makes us one. He's the one that makes you one. He's the one that makes you uniquely different. Okay, a couple of scriptures. John 1.16 says, It's from his fullness that we've all received grace upon grace. For that law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Gosh, do you have 
Do you feel like you have that graceful spirit, that one spirit? Do you feel like when you come to church, you're breathing in the same spirit and exhaling that same spirit, and there's a unique difference in us when we gather? You know, that's why sometimes it's so hard to corral you back from greeting one another at the beginning. We have to say, Mike, get on it here. Call everybody back. Well, no, there's such a oneness in here. We want to keep hugging one another. Maybe you should delete that off because of the coronavirus. Someone will make it go viral. There's a church that greets one another. They hug. Yeah, I was told earlier that if, if what was I told? What did you tell me? That if, uh, if I'm not getting hugged by Doris, we better check because the rapture's come. Doris has been taken up and I've been left behind. I hope that never happens. I hope I'm going up too. All of us, boom, all of us gone. Let's pray. Father, I've said enough. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that we can be uniquely different, that we can breathe spiritually together. We can be in sync, in tune, spiritually together, go in the same direction, join together with you, Lord, preaching the resurrection, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking with boldness, grace upon grace upon us, Father, because you've given us grace and truth. Father, I pray, Lord, just as what happened with the disciples, they had favor with all the people, and they were praising you. And I pray that we would have favor with one another because we're breathing in the same direction spiritually. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together, and let's close in song.